Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hupka, the Vice President of Finance for the Metro DC chapter of ATD. And I'm Christina Eanes, Director of Virtual Programs. And I'm Leticia Niago, the 2021 Vice President of Learning. We also have Helena Hodges, our Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer. And we have a really special treat for all of you today. This is our first bonus episode of the Beltway broadcast. And for this special episode, we're interviewing one of our very own fellow board members and our current past president, Michal Ahmed. Welcome, Michal. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. So we are, first of all, thrilled to have you join us today, and we are so excited about this topic for many reasons. We're going to talk today about winning at board service, which, since all of us are volunteer board leaders for the chapter, it's something that's very near and dear to our hearts. But before we get into that, before we even begin to bridge that topic, tell us a little bit about yourself so that our listeners can have a chance to get to know you. Sure. Uh, So. Probably three things to know about me. Um, The first thing would be, uh, you know, when I was eight years old, my parents asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I looked them straight in the eyes and said, I want to work in change management. Um, (laughs) Sorry, that's that's not what happened at all. That's not what happened at all. Um, So, you know, the first thing to know is that like many of us, I tripped and fell into this work in talent development. And, you know, this is my fourth career. I've worked in data analytics, higher education, career coaching. And now I'm here in this work with with all of you. And so my work in talent development has covered really whatever it takes to help organizations and their people thrive. So, you know, onboarding, training, organizational development, diversity, equity, and inclusion kind of the, the runs the gamut of, of what it takes. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing I would share about myself is uh, that I'm a musician. I am a drummer for an indie rock band named Rosie Chima and What She Dreamed. And uh, it's one of the most meaningful relationships I'm in. <laughs> We've been together <laughs> for nearly three years, playing in and out of the D.C. area. And we actually put out our first album this past year called Realm of the Warring Gods. And so, you know, I'm, I'm proud of our, our group, proud of our work. And we're everywhere you stream your music. So that's my shameless plug. I am sliding in there. But that is definitely a big part of who I am. Uh, but really, the final thing that is important to know about me is that I'm a Metro DCATD chapter member and volunteer. You know, I came to this chapter because I was trying to break into the field. And I had learned from my prior career changes that in order to get to a new career, you have to infiltrate the community. And so that was really <laughs> my goal. And so uh, shortly after I joined, you know, I started volunteering as a lead for one of the communities of practice. And then not long after that, there was an opening on the board. This was outside of the election cycle. A board member had left. One of the openings they had was for director of communications. And so I thought, cool, I'm going to go for it. And I went in and I interviewed for it. I was really nervous, but I had a great time. Um, And then after the interview, you know, I got the call saying that I did not get the role of director of communications. (laughs) And I was so bummed. But then uh, the board asked if I would be interested in filling another role which was director of virtual programs. And I was like, sure, it wasn't the one that I wanted, but I said yes (laughs) in that moment. 
And actually, it turned out to be a really great fit, kind of putting on virtual programming, you know, foreshadowing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> surprise, so, surprise. Surprise, surprise. So then after serving for a couple of years in that role, I was elected into the presidential rotation and did my president-elect year president. And now I'm, I'm here in my final year as past president. That's a, that's a little bit about me and, and all the meaningful relationships I'm in <laughs> and the work that I do. <laughs> Well, I love it, especially because I think your story really, it certainly resonates with me. I bet it resonates with a lot of our listeners today because it really is about finding your place in the community. You know, talent development being this really dynamic community that we all have this great opportunity to be part of. It's really about finding your spot in that and what that journey looks like for you. And you've had the opportunity to serve in a couple of different roles on the board, including being part of our presidential rotation. I'm curious from your experience and from your perspective, and frankly, even from working with so many volunteer leaders in your time on the board, what do you think would be the recipe for success as far as you know, anyone who might be thinking about running for the board, serving as a chapter leader? What does success look like for a chapter leader? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, I don't think there's one answer to this because, you know, everyone who I've seen and certainly all of you have seen come to the board, you know, everyone brings their own perspective and their own wisdom to the team. But I have been asked this question before, especially by folks, you know, who are like interested in board service. And so uh, a probably overly simplistic way I like to frame it is that, you know, a strong board is, it's a collaborative team of dreamers and doers, right? Mm-hmm. We, we need both in the mix. It's one thing to come up with the ideas for how the chapter could shift direction or do something more or continue on some path that it's on, but we have to also lead the execution. It's volunteer work, but we are a working board. And so in order for us to successfully meet our members where they are, we have to actually we're making the work happen in partnership with all of our chapter volunteers. And so it really helps to think about it from the standpoint of the board is sort of a group of, it's, it's sort of one cohesive team. And it's a team that not only has to come up with the strategy, but also has to execute on their strategy. And in order to do that successfully, um, you have to make the time for that commitment. So that's one piece. Mm-hmm. The other half I would offer is that I often hear from folks interested in board service, kind of this fear, right? Well, I don't know how to do financey things. I don't know technology things. I don't know, you know, even thinking about if a board member, for instance, comes to me and they're interested in the presidential rotation, um, they're kind of like, but I don't know if I can do it. And the secret (laughs) that I don't think folks tell you necessarily is that, you know, you kind of don't have to come in with all the answers. You don't have to have deep expertise, but you just do need to be willing to learn and put in the work and and ask questions and again, see your role through and execute. And so I think those are a couple of ways that I would frame, I guess, that recipe for success. And by success, I mean, being able to keep an eye on and meet our members where they are. I think that you touch on a couple of really important points in what you just shared with us. There's 
kind of the balance between the collective and the individual. So the collective is very much about that experience of being on the board, working with fellow chapter leaders, learning from and with others. And, you know, from what you've shared, I can tell you that's certainly been my experience. And, you know, for Chris and Leticia and Helena, I think you probably all agree that that's very much what it's like to serve. It's just this great learning opportunity. But I'm wondering too, kind of on the, the personal side of things, Metro DC is a, an independent 501c3. We have an affiliation to the Association for Talent Development, but we have our own, you know, real mission and vision. And I'm curious, what makes our mission meaningful to you? Oh, you're rolling out the deep questions today. It's good. I really am. <laughs> and, you know, I think about what board members have told me about why they've served. It's it's about the members. Yeah. Like, it's about these folks who are making time to come out to events, to join and participate in the mentoring program, to volunteer, to lead our communities of practice, just, just all the ways that they want to engage. And it's just really thinking about what do they need? And that's really the heart of our mission, right? Our mission is not the the product, if that makes sense, right? Our mission yeah. isn't necessarily, well, we exist because we really want to put on events, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a greater purpose, right? It's not like you have these talent development or HR professionals sitting around and think, thinking, boy, I, I wish there were a networking event around. It's like, no, they're here to connect. They're here to yeah. learn. They want to build relationships and skill set thinking about decisions we've had to make as a board, even the hard ones, right? Thinking about 2020 and every board has its moment, (laughs) I think, (laughs) where they have to make hard decisions. And at the end of the day, I'm always heartened because our decisions are based on, well, what does this mean for our members? I love that. I think that makes complete sense. And I hate to say it, it it kind of brings to mind one more kind of harder, deeper question. I promise promise (laughs) we'll go easier. But what I'm thinking about now, and this is a question that I know I've I've got from people in the past who were wondering about, you know, almost the difference between being an ATD member versus a local chapter member. And I'd love to know from your perspective. What's the difference between those two experiences? And especially, what is the value in being a chapter leader or being part of a local chapter? Yeah, I think the the key difference is right there on the word local. Yeah. Right? If you kind of think even outside of ATD world, right? When we think about shopping local and supporting local, what does that mean? Why is that important? And the ideas around investment of time, energy, money, attention. Yeah within sort of this more local universe of chapter members, of professionals, right? We know that we have chapter members who run the range in terms of the types of roles they have, right? You have your entrepreneurs, you have your learning teams of one, you have your larger training and development teams within an organization. And regardless of what role they're in, they're part of this universe within the DMV, And the more that we can connect with each other, the more that we can support each other as really the needs of the DMV change, right? We we know that change is constant and it's not necessarily just even change within the workforce and what the workforce is going to look like, but technology, healthcare, I mean, these are all going to impact our region. And our region is a particularly unique one just because of where we sit in terms of 
politics, in terms of the presence of government here. Yep. And yeah, this idea of having a local hive mind or, you yeah. know, local brain trust to tap into is really powerful. There's value in the national experience as well, because you can extend your reach and your connections there, but you can't, it's no replacement for local. You really can't get, can't get deeper than that experience. Oh, I totally agree. I've often tried to explain it as when you're thinking about the, the national experience, what you're looking at are opportunities to learn from others and with others from around the country, around the world. You're getting access to research and white papers and all kinds of really important learning. But it's, for me at least, it's been the chapter experience where I've been able to connect the dots. Yeah. You know, that, like this is what I've learned, but how do I put that into practice? And what does that look like? And it's been through chapter events, community of practice events, especially. And even board meetings where I've started to be able to put those pieces together. And it's why I think the two go really well hand in hand, but why the chapter experience has always just been so essential to helping to bridge the gap between what I know and what I do with that. So I think you put that just in a, a really, really easy to understand way. Totally agree <laughs> with you. So let me ask you more specifically about chapter election. So we are currently in our nomination and election cycle. So tell us a little bit about how the election process works for Metro DC ATD and what some of the most important deadlines to remember for the year are. Absolutely. You can think of it as almost like three steps. So the first step in the elections process is what's called nominations. And it's right. essentially your way as a member of applying to say, hey, I'm raising my hand. I'm interested in some roles on the board that are open. And so we are currently in that uh, part of the process right now. Um, we've sent out a couple of emails and you know checked those weekly newsletters as well. But until July 30th, uh, nominations are open. So that's step one. And then as part of step two, uh, as folks submit their nomination forms, to express their interest, we will reach out to those folks to schedule interviews. These interviews are with a nominations committee. So that consists of me and a couple other folks whose role is essentially to not evaluate the person, you know, whether or not they're going to get the role, but more to just confirm their eligibility. And it helps us start to get to know candidates a bit more and answer their questions. And so once we get through step two with those interviews, what then happens is we finalize kind of what we call the slate of candidates for elections. And so uh, once interviews wrap up around August, around late August to early September, we'll open elections for voting by chapter members. And so an email goes out. And so that's the most exciting part. Step three, the elections process, <laughs> right? And so <laughs> chapter members have their votes heard and... From there, we then move to, you know, sort of count the votes and process the results. And then we announce to membership via the website and email. And then from there, uh, we move into all the fun stuff where we onboard the newly elected board throughout the fall so that they're ready to go in their new terms on January 1st. It's a really well-oiled machine. <laughs> <laughs> Done this for a long time. Um, and this is why we've got our bylaws. They help us to make sure we do what we do. Yes. No, that is, it's really helpful to get that overview. Yeah. And I'm asking for a friend. If yes. someone missed some of the emails, do they just keep, we keep an eye on future emails that come out before the 30th? 
Yeah, keep an eye out. We are having additional reminders in each of the weekly newsletters. Excellent. Um, you know, definitely from my personal standpoint, as I, in the middle of the night, go and hit refresh on that uh, nominations <laughs> form spreadsheet. <laughs> you know, we miss, may send out some additional reminders, but since you're asking for a friend, right? If <laughs> if if any if you're if any listeners out there are thinking about board service, you know, they're certainly welcome to reach out to any of us board members. Um, we are listed on our website dcatd.org. But also, if you or any listeners have any friends who you think would be great for this, nudge them, right? Sort of say, hey, I think this opportunity could be really cool for you. Just even to check out, right? Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, right, the first role I went for, I didn't get it. And that hurts and it's disappointing. But the thing about stepping up for board service, and I think other folks in the room here can, can back me up on this, um, you kind of make yourself known. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You do. You do. You know, um, we had a role last year that had, gosh, we'd never seen it before. I think it was six candidates for a role. It was just we were speechless. I'm speechless now thinking about it. And it's really cool because while yes, you can only have one person in each role, it meant that there were five other people. There were several other people who actually stepped up and trust that we are thinking about how to engage those folks. Because it it does take a certain kind of person to want to step up and serve. That's that's just really what it is, bottom line. We're not we're not doing this for the big bucks. We're doing this for zero bucks. Yep. Precisely. And <laughs> But what you kind of gain in terms of experience and uh, relationships and just being able to create lasting impact on an entire profession, it's cool. It's unmatched. And if that's something you're interested in, it's definitely something to think about looking into. Oh, agreed. I'm glad you're saying that, Michelle, because... For me, my experience has been very, very positive. And so would you say that for someone who's not sure whether or not they should go for a specific role, it actually gives them an opportunity to find some gifts and talents that they did not know they had? Yes, 100%. Um, you know, Leticia, I remember when we first connected, when you joined the board, right? And you were director of virtual programs. And, you know, that was a connection we had because... I could say, oh, well, I've done that role before. Here's how you can probably do it a whole lot better than I can. And you really did. <laughs> I think that if folks are curious even about a specific role, even reaching out to that board member who's in that role, just to sort of pick their brains around, what is this? What do you do? Tell me, you know, tell me the truth about what it's really like. You know, I know our team is happy to have those conversations. Um, we're pretty honest about what it takes to make the impact that we do. And to give an example, right, even thinking about when I was thinking about running for president, I mean, I thought about it for a couple of years. <laughs> I did. It wasn't something I necessarily, oh, just ran right into. I spoke with as many past presidents as I could to really get the, the full story on what does it take to do this role successfully. And just being empowered and armed with that knowledge helped me know that it's possible to uh, live out a particular role you may be interested in, but this is what it may take for you to do that. And, you know, there's another element to what you're talking about that I'd love to explore a bit more as well, which is when you look at the list of openings that we have on the board. So for anyone listening today who will take a look at that list, 
you're going to see some positions that might align with you as far as where you are in your own professional journey. You will probably see some others that don't. And yes, I'm going to briefly use myself as an example. I am a small business owner. I am not a finance person by trade or by training. I kind of fell into this in a way that so many volunteers fall into a vacancy or a role. There's some help that's needed. You raise your hand and you go ahead and you do it and you learn something new as part of that process. So I would love it if you could talk a little bit about the experience of looking through the list of opportunities and deciding which one you might be interested in, whether you go for something that might help as far as your career or whether you might take a risk and volunteer to try something where you may gain an entirely different skill set. Absolutely. So a couple of tools that are handy for folks who are wanting to learn more about the openings and I am looking at them in front of me because again, I hit refresh on this in the middle of the night. <laughs> so <laughs> one tool that we've shared out and that we'll continue sharing out as we seek out folks to nominate themselves for board roles is this very handy document. It's essentially a, a PowerPoint deck, so to speak, uh, listing all the board roles and responsibilities what qualifications we're looking for, as well as descriptions of each role on the board, including the ones that aren't necessarily open, but we want folks to be aware of how the board is made up. And so I, I want to step back a bit and speak briefly about how the board is made up, because I think that will help folks start to think about what their place could look like on the board. On the board, you essentially have four teams. So we have our finance and operations team. And I mean, these are like our very foundational folks. They really help steward our chapter's financial and operational resources, right? So I mean, if you think about a pyramid, like they're the base of the pyramid. <laughs> we need our finance and operations folks, right? <laughs> and then the second team is membership and outreach. And these are the folks who are really about deepening relationships with the chapter. So whether it's getting folks to join the chapter, whether it's getting organizations to partner with us, membership and outreach are relationship builders for sure, 100%. The third team is our programs and communities team. And so for those of you who've been with the chapter for a while, you know this team more as the learning team. Um, but for this sort of next round of elections that's taking place right now, this is coming about after a board restructure. And so we've reframed the learning team as our programs and communities team, because we know that folks come to the chapter not only to learn, but to build those relationships, build that network. And so this team is really responsible for that, that part of the experience, right? Your professional development, um, your networking, all in alignment with the ATD capability model. And then we have our last team, which it's a new team, but it comes from a place that already, a role that already exists within the board. Um, and that's our marketing and communications team. We're looking for folks to join this team to really help continue to expand our capabilities in sort of communicating a very consistent and compelling chapter brand in support of membership engagement. And so I say all that because board service sounds really big, right? It sounds like this kind of maybe big nebulous thing. And yes, as board members, regardless of our role, we're here to keep the chapter running and thriving, regardless of where we sit on the team. But we do have these four flavors of ways that our team 
contributes to the work. And we have openings across all of those teams. Um, so for finance and operations, if you're interested in or you want to build your expertise in you know, operations, technology, or measurement and evaluation, we've got opportunities there, as well as finance and operations. We need someone to lead the team. <laughs> um, for membership and outreach, right around membership and volunteering, we're looking for folks there. With programs and communities, we're looking for folks to come help put our programs together and help lead that work and the strategy. And then finally, with communications, um, we need folks for that entire team uh, to help us keep our communications practices running smoothly. And so for all of these teams, not only do we have director roles within each team, each team has a VP role that's actually open for this round of elections. And so if you're also looking for an opportunity to get experience leading others, leading a team of volunteers, our VP roles for each of these teams could also be uh, an opportunity for you to look into. And then last but not least, of course, every year our president-elect uh, position is open. And so other than all these roles that I've mentioned, that president-elect role, which becomes a three-year commitment from president-elect for a year to president for your second year and then past president, we are looking for folks to to throw their hat into the ring to run for that role as well. And you happen to be joined by a few other past presidents on Just today's so episode <laughs> who could speak to how rewarding and fulfilling that particular pathway is. So absolutely something to consider. There, I love that there's something for everybody, whether you're looking to improve upon a skill that you have or expand into a skill set that you don't. I think for me, that's always been one of the biggest surprises about chapter service. And one of the best takeaways and the best opportunities. And as we wrap up today, I'd love to circle back to, in a way, kind of where we started by talking about the value of chapter service. Obviously, in talent development, the concept of WIFM is huge. What's in it for me? Thinking from your experience, from the experiences that you've had working with others, we'd love to know about, you know, really what's what's your WIFM when it comes to your chapter service and your board service over the last couple of years? What is What has that been like for you? What has that meant for you? Yeah, I think I've gotten a lot out of serving the chapter. I really have. So there's, there are the things I've gotten out of it that I kind of went in wanting, right? I wanted to break into the field. I wanted to build my network. And I certainly achieved both of those goals. Mm -hmm. But board service in particular has really given me a chance to see what, kind of see what I'm made of, to be frank. Um, yeah. And uh, it's helped me gain experience leading volunteers, leading teams, and leading them in creating new things and creating a very long lasting uh, change that's going to impact future chapter members, future board members. I mean, for a really long time. and. On top of that, being able to see the power of diversity of thought, right? Leading a team and working with a team that, uh, you know, we're, I often tell folks, right? Being president, you're essentially just managing 14 to 15 different relationships. And you are, but it's all within a greater whole. It's within a greater team. And that diversity of thought has been very powerful to see in action. So those are some of the, the huge takeaways that I, I walk away with from board service. 
Yeah, one of the most educational opportunities you can create for yourself, for sure. I think you're absolutely right about that. (laughs) And I know we have a couple of final questions for you, and Chris is going to step in to do that. But before she does, I actually would not mind pausing briefly to see if Chris or Leticia wants to weigh in on their WIFM too, since we all happen to have the the benefit of some board experience. Ooh, I would definitely say the relationships. Well, number one, number one, the relationships. And number two, uh, being an entrepreneur, it was nice to get extra, let's say, experience in essentially running a nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I would echo that. Definitely the people, I've met some amazing colleagues and just people that I respect whose skills I value and I can see myself having lifelong relationships with. And the other thing that really um, is driving me is I have an opportunity to do things that I may not be able to do in a regular job. So that really gives me opportunities to create new things. And it's really exciting because you get to do things that you really would not think that you have it in you, but you find out that you're capable of doing some amazing things. And so I absolutely recommend board service for anyone. Yeah. It's a really powerful experience, isn't it? What about yours? Oh, I was afraid you were going to turn it off. <laughs> you knew it was coming. And I saw I, that coming. I sort of did. And you know, at the risk of being a broken record, I do want to echo what each one of you said. It's really about the community and the relationships, partially the professional side of that. I learn something new about the profession every time I attend a board meeting, a chapter event. I mean, I, I can't say enough about how educational and supportive the experience has been for me. There's also been the personal side of that, which is that I have also made some lasting lifelong friendships from this. People I can send funny texts to, you know, <laughs> on a Saturday or something like that. And just, you know, know, know that I've, I've built this great network, not just of colleagues, but of true friends. And yeah. for those of you yes. who are wondering what, what the professional tie-in is, I, I tell a lot of people this, and I mean every word, I don't think I would have the career that I have if it weren't for Metro DC ETD. The connections, the people, the knowledge... There have been numerous times since opening my consulting firm a few years ago that the phone has rang and it has been someone who said, I sat next to you in an event last week. I have a project I'm working on. Can we work together on this? It's led to actual business. Yeah. And so it's been not just the opportunity to learn, but the opportunity to actually grow and impact the, the profession through all of those connections that I've made. So, I mean, it's I can't say enough about the chapter from any one of those perspectives. It really just has been so rewarding. Yeah. Michelle, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guest five rapid fire style questions. And this episode is no exception. (laughs) So (laughs) each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. So are you ready? All right. I'm stretched. Okay. Stretch. Take a few breaths. Here we go. All right. Yes. Give us one book that all TD professionals must read and why. Okay. So this isn't a traditional business book, but (laughs) if you're interested in the possibility of reading a book that fundamentally changes how you view the world and your place in it, a book I might recommend is called How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy by Jenny O'Dell. She's an artist and writer um, who teaches at Stanford. And so, uh, 
when I finished this book for the first time, I just sat on my couch and stared into space, wondering what happened. And then I just started <laughs> reading it over again. So I'm on it for the fourth time. It's actually sitting beside me. Oh, wow. And I'm, uh, when the library comes looking for it, I'm going to have to go into hiding. <laughs> but uh, to summarize this book briefly, it's, it's like a series of kind of loosely connected essays in a sense. But I mean, it's, a, it's one thought process. But she questions how we currently think about productivity. And she outlines really very thoughtfully this argument for paying attention to like where we are and and what we do with our attention because that really is one of our most precious resources. So it's just been really impactful for me. So I, I highly recommend it. I love it. I that reminds me of a video, not to digress, but of uh <laughs> Warren Buffett and oh um the leader of Microsoft. <laughs> oh my God, why is he slipping my brain? Bill Gates. Yes. Oh, yeah. So they were talking about how busy is the new stupid because people aren't <laughs> taking time to think and reflect and, and you know, yeah. and do That's nothing. Awesome. So this book sounds great. I'm going to get it. Okay. <laughs> Give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. Okay. Um, I for, so it's like a little activity. I forget where it's from and I feel bad because I wish I could cite it. But anyway. It's an activity that I've used a couple of times during the pandemic to help me evaluate how I spend my time. So, all right, four steps. So step one, you list out 10 things that you enjoy spending your time doing. And then step two, you rate each of those items uh, on your level of enjoyment mm. on a scale of one to 10. So one is like least, 10 to, wow, it's super great, love it. Step three, you go back and also rate each item based on level of effort. So one to 10, one being the least amount of effort, 10 being the most. And then you get to the last step, which is like the big step. Um, (laughs) You go item by item and you subtract that effort number from enjoyment and see what you get. So as an example, like when I talk about drumming with the band, I think eight for enjoyment, five for effort. So that gives me three, eight minus five. Whereas like maybe cooking new things, it's something I really love to do, but now I'm in a place where cooking new things is like a five for enjoyment minus seven for effort, (laughs) (laughs) which gets me into like a negative two. Uh And so I'm like, maybe I should stop getting all these cookbooks because they're stressing me out. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. So yeah, just a, a fun, quick way to evaluate how you're spending your time, even on things you think you like to do, but maybe don't anymore. I love it. Okay. Next one. What's the best piece of talent talent development related advice you've ever been given? And Chris, you kind of touched on this, right? Uh, Making that time for deep work and thought and reflection. Mm. So, you know, if you read that first book I mentioned, How to Do Nothing and You Hate It, instead, check out Deep Work (laughs) by (laughs) Cal Newport. Um, He's an associate professor of computer science at Georgetown. Um, And his book, Deep Work, goes into a lot of... um, practices around how to create that space for yourself to do more deep work as opposed to running around with your head cut off shallow work, uh, kind of that kind of life. Nice. Or YouTube, Google, is that even a word? (laughs) Busy is the new stupid. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, I was like, you could YouTube Google or Google YouTube. It's just very either way. (laughs) Because they're both like verbs, right? Anyway. They are. They're verbs now. (laughs) That's right. It's true. So what's one thing you're excited about that's coming up in 21, 22? Well, this is a gimme. Elections. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wait, so you're excited about them being womp, over? Womp. <laughs> I'm excited about, I'm always excited about the promise of elections, right? Seeing the future of our chapter leadership. Yeah. So, you know, our chapter's been around for a long time, like 65 plus years. And every single volunteer, every single board member who's come through and served, they've become a part of the chapter's DNA. So it's just, it's legacy. It's a time of transition. Yeah. And I'm always excited to see where our leadership goes and seeing new folks come on too. I love it. All right. Final question. What is the one thing within the ATD community that you're deeply grateful for right now? <laughs> Everything. Everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> to pick one specific thing, because I just got a lovely gift from them in the mail yesterday and they're on my mind, our mentoring program. Mm. Um, so we just wrapped up this past year's program. I was a participant. Our mentoring program is so nice. I've done it twice. <laughs> and um, it's just a really energizing way to just spend focused time with other chapter members who are looking to grow, even if it's in different ways. And so being part of the chapter, serving as a volunteer, serving as a board member, they've all changed me for the better over the past few years. And you know, I do want to give lots of love and kudos to the mentoring program for being an important touch point in that journey. Oh. I think that's a fantastic way to wrap up today. I mean, that's that's really very much what our community is. It's a group of people who care very much about the profession and about each other. And I mean, that's that's really what brings us together. And frankly, I, I can't think of a better way to leave everybody on, you know, as we're approaching elections with the idea of being part of something as unique and special as what Metro DC ATD is able to do. So, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us, for educating us, for hopefully inspiring many of us to get involved and to run and to be part of what we're doing here. Thank you, guys. Thank you for all you do. And, and thanks to the listeners for always tuning in and, and learning more about how they can engage with their chapter membership. Yeah, we have a great listener base. And of course, a big thank you to my co-host as well. Oh, this has been a pleasure. As expected, Michelle, that was amazing. And you're a great leader to work with. Absolutely. Oh, thanks, y'all. And of course, many thanks to all of you in our community for listening today. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Membership in the Metro DCATD provides you with multiple benefits to enhance your career. Not a member yet? What are you waiting for? Go to dcatd.org forward slash membership application to join our chapter today. Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to dcatd.org and click on volunteer to get started.